Hello. Hello. I'm Alex. And I'm Val. And we're here to talk about the second episode of season 6B of The Sopranos, stage 5. I wish it was easier to say, like, I wish they just had kept the numbers going, like 6, 13, 6, 14. Hmm. Right, but they didn't. They didn't. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it's too bad. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's challenging. Right. But we are here to talk about it anyways. And it's an amazing it. episode. It is. Yeah. And you said all the episodes in 6B are amazing. It's and true. so I forgot that they were, I forgot that they were all this amazing. I, I remembered that they were all, or maybe they're not all this amazing. I, I particularly have always liked this episode. But, um, wow, I forgot how amazing it is. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. I think that they're dealing with a lot of the overarching themes of the entire series. I think we're really confronted with death in mm-hmm. this episode, amongst other questions. For me, the question of control mm-hmm. really comes up. What it actually looks like to be boss. Like what like it's an insight into Tony's psyche also. Absolutely. Well, and lots of characters' psyche about being boss and what that yeah. means for them. Also, maybe like interpretation or reading things on a deeper level mm-hmm. there's this kind of question of getting things at its most basic level of just kind of experiencing entertainment or maybe mm-hmm. reading underneath well it's the like surface. it's like meta this show like it's like meta Absolutely. writers and production and like viewers right like we deal with it watching this show all the time so right. it's kind of like a haha at viewers because it's like, stop trying to like look at these characters reading into these things and look at what it's doing to them. And then we right. have the char- one, one character <laughs> saying about, you know, leotards and tutus that it, uh, what is he? Uh, I want to get, I want to get the- Leotards are for modern yeah. and tutus are for ballet. And it doesn't make a difference, right? So I think that's <laughs> the thing that's kind of like overarching in this episode for me and I, among other things, but like, it doesn't make a difference these things that we're like overanalyzing like it, mm. and these characters these characters who are trying to i don't know i think they're just he's just like fucking with us right you know like we we go all the time about you know colors and right stuff like that and we and sure we acknowledge do. how it's like well sometimes this symbol means this and sometimes this symbol means that and like it it's in flux and it's flexible and so like in in reality totally. like it doesn't it doesn't make a difference as that little boy who we'll never see again. Phil Leotardo's great nephew. <laughs> <laughs> that right. guy. Right. I'm sure we'll see him again. <laughs> um, but he's the one who kind of, I think, hammers home a big part of this episode. And this show is it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, his nephew? The one about leotards and tutus? Yeah. Wasn't that a girl? Well, she was saying that, but then the other little guy, the other little nephew was the one who was like, it doesn't make a difference. (laughs) There is something about that, too, just in terms of interpreting symbols and Mm -hmm. reading beneath the surface. Actually, like I found it was interesting, even like right after John dies and he wants a cigarette, which I'll get into later. They actually cut to this shot of just a white ball. I know. Right after he dies. And there was that talk about the Robert Louis Stevenson poem in Meadow much earlier saying... Like, oh, death is black, but it's also white. Yeah. And we've t- we've been seeing things in black and white terms. We've seen black and white used as symbols. And we've seen it equated with death. And in this instance, they actually choose white, which is probably the one that's used not at all or, or much less. Yeah. They actually kind of like flip things on us. Yep. It's kind of both. I think that's the point. And there's actually almost this like kind of like quantum aspect where they're mm-hmm. talking about like quantum. But it is like they yeah. talk about Schrodinger's cat yep. at a point in this uh, in this well, show. Well, last season, yeah. Yeah, and in there's exactly yeah, and then there's this there's this idea of maybe some of these things being both mm-hmm. and not being able to peg things mm-hmm. down to black and white. So mm-hmm. there's almost like this other level of these characters mm-hmm. interpreting things in black and white terms, maybe showing them in ways that could be interpreted that way, but is actually broader than that. Yeah, it's you're really dumb. you're you're so right. It's I think really that interesting. that really that does a better quantum job of sopranos. saying quantum sopranos no that does a better job of saying what i was trying to say than i could do um yeah i think it's Thanks. huge I, no it's true um i think it's just a huge a huge comment on on the show itself but then again like you said like also on these characters mm-hmm. i think we have a lot of moments like that in this episode that are really kind of like 
giving us a greater insight into the show. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much in this episode, it's hard to know, know. where to begin. But I think we can start at the beginning because I think that leads us to some of these themes. Okay. They start with the Cleaver movie. Ah, oh, which is just so good. The movie is so good. You I, love the movie. I actually, no, but here's like, you know me. So like whenever I see a movie that's like campy slash bad, right. I'm always like, that's how they intended it to feel. Like they want it to feel this way. Mm, right. I think this film. Right, like you think The Room is a brilliant yeah, creation. Yeah, I do think The Room is a brilliant <laughs> creation. Exactly. Um, but I think this is kind of like that. I think this is like, um, it's like a genre of its own. I think it's incredible. And I also love like the, I, you know, I don't, I don't actually know a lot of film terms, but when at the end it goes from the cleaver in the head and it pitched pans slowly to the windshield of the car mm, and then focuses the in on the, and the propane on the on the two <laughs> <laughs> on the two objects hanging on the dash. It's well, that's so dramatic. That's the thing. I mean, you know, like that's really what it's about sacred and propane things. I know. Always. <laughs> I mean all never Little forget. Carmine nailed it. Little Carmine. Should... I want to talk. I remember to talk about Little Carmine. <laughs> I, I hope we get to him because there was a lot about him in this episode, but there was also like a, a lot of other stuff too. Um, but yeah, we have a lesser Baldwin as right. our opening character. I think Danny. Is it Danny Baldwin actually? Seems to be Daniel Baldwin. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I love how, I mean, we've obviously seen this show before, but I love how when you if you're a watcher of this show you could think for a little while that this is actually Absolutely. what's happening in the show yeah. and we get that with dreams in this show mm-hmm. also we get that with a lot of things and i just love i just love that so much yeah it's just like i we were like we were also talking about how we might not watch sopranos after this for a long time might but long i time. but i do like to think back to always the first time i watched it mm. um because some of these things that are no longer surprises to us who've seen it for many times. Right. Um, you forget how amazing they are and how surprising they were. Right. And, there, and there's, again, a lot in this episode that's like that. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. We'll talk about it, but like, you know, the reveal that Meadow and Finn broke up. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's just so many of these things that they just... If they I can't do, meet so... a normal guy, I don't intend to discuss Finn. And we don't. We don't discuss Finn. Yeah. That's it. I know. I know. <laughs> um, they're just so masterful at these like little surprises and little reveals maybe that wouldn't like maybe surprise is not the right term for the meadow and finn thing but it's just the way that they unveil information to you is always so unique right um and i am skipping ahead a little bit here but i know we'll well maybe well, i'll get start, to it let's get, we can, yeah, yeah let me let me but i remind me when yeah. we're talking about them their choice to um show us like which they've done before a clip of a video of another show on tv like mm. the interview show Right. Anyways, I just, I, I love the choices that they make in this episode. Yeah. I just wanted to say that. No, first. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just think, yeah, I mean, there is a lot of this kind of like meta aspect totally. to, this, to this episode. More when they're so dissecting, than we've ever seen like before. putting in the extra scene or not, like in their producer's meeting. Yeah, absolutely. And interestingly, too, like these mobsters who have been drawn to the Hollywood medium for, for these reasons of violence and kind of easy satisfaction, thinking that it would also maybe be easy on the other side, saying it's a little boring, actually, <laughs> to be honest, behind the scenes. And uh, Christopher saying that Tony doesn't give a shit about production. Yeah. Um, it's like this other life that we see, like we've like... We've been gone for a bit, I guess. And all of a sudden, these characters... Like, we don't see a lot of these guys last episode. Right. Right? Um, But suddenly, these characters kind of have, like, a different life. And maybe there is a time... I mean, maybe there is a time jump between Sopranos home movies and now. Right. Uh, And that I I was trying to kind of deduce. Mm. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. Like, it was late summer when we left Sopranos home movies. Could it be later on in the year? Right. Probably. Probably. So, like, we may have had some kind of time jump, too. Right. Um, but, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. There's just, yeah. I there's, there's just a lot going on even surrounding the movie itself and then the way it infiltrates the narrative of this episode. Yes. People interpreting the movie. And there is this kind of, these multiple levels to interpret everything. So, even the way the show starts, it's interesting because... It seems like it could be an episode of Sopranos. Like this could be action yeah. that's happening for the characters until we see that it's Daniel Baldwin that 
kind of puts things off. Yet it could be it, Daniel it Baldwin. It could be Daniel acting. Baldwin. Totally. It's the same like, thing as yeah. later on we have Christopher McDonald. Yeah. And at first I think it's him acting as himself, but it's not. Yeah. It's just it's somebody supporting Christopher. So they really are playing with us in this episode. Yeah. And what is what? So they're starting to kind of break down the wall a lot more. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and then, we also see, like, you know, we see Danny Baldwin as, you know, as Danny Baldwin in this right. episode also. We see him play this character. We also see him as himself. Right. You know, it's confusing. Right. Yeah. And then we see also, like, in the first scene, it's it kind of unfolds and becomes more and more obviously mm-hmm. not The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. But there is this kind of, like, cheap violence this sensationalistic approach to violence that could never fit on The Sopranos because violence always kind of serves a greater yeah. purpose in this show. But we it could, underscores yeah. who the characters are, how they develop, and it's gratuitous. In fact, in the production room, they're even talking about gratuitously mm-hmm. adding another scene just for violence. Mm-hmm. But it's a take on the mob genre kind of on the whole to have this violent aspect of it portrayed on the big screen for people because The Sopranos is so not that. But I'm sure, like, they did have a lot of viewers who were, like, wanting more from them, right? Right. And so I, I'm sure they I did have... think commentary on that. Yeah, I th- I'm sure they did have discussions like that about, like, what to include and what not to. Right. They would have had to have. Um, I mean, I think these writers are pretty, like, strong. I don't think they're, like, easily swayed by, you know, what the commercial market wants or anything like that. But I'm sure they had these discussions. Right. Yeah. I don't know. And yet, I think that the artistic integrity of the people behind the show was always kind of the highest, I think. Well, I, I, yeah. that's what I'm kind of saying. Like, right. I, I trust them more yeah. than I trust no, other abs- writers absolutely. not to do that. Everything but I'm sure, that, I'm sure that it would have come up. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's just, it's great that when these things do show up, it's kind of deeper than it appears to mm-hmm. be. There's almost a secondary purpose mm-hmm. um, for those scenes to even exist there. It's it's really interesting, and then also interestingly, like the way that the movie and the movie is kind of portrayed in terms of the different people working on it. JT and this director Morgan Yam has the microphone taken away from him. JT's never mentioned. The people who actually yeah. did kind of structure this movie and put it together and actually had some technique and movie making get no credit, and it's all about the people who financed it, right? And were coming from the mob side who actually had very little to do with the actual totally totally um although it's interesting like that we do find out for sure that like chris actually did write it right like that well did he (laughs) well i think so i think so otherwise why would he be so scared about that with tony well it's clearly his idea the story is clearly right 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 i mean i think any of those kind of crafts were completely delegated to others and i think jt really did write it Okay. But the idea was given right, to him. Right, 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 right. The entire yeah. structure of the story was given to him, and that's yeah. kind of the problem. Yeah. I mean, and then it's it's kind of hilarious, like, these these cheap additions to it to kind of throw somebody off of his set or something. Like, yeah, well, like, and, that Tony, and, Chris, and yeah. that Tony catches that, right? But like, it's interesting, because Tony doesn't really catch things at first. Like, he is... No, at first he's flattered. He's compl- at well, first he's flattered, he's, and yeah. he's also swayed by these little details, like, oh, like, she's Asian. Or in yeah. Christopher's words, she's Oriental. Oh, right, <laughs> that was appropriate, yeah. Um, but that's something that's really interesting in this episode, is Rosalie and Carmela are reading underneath the surface. I mean, it's not a very profound... <laughs> analysis deconstruction if you will if Cleaver yeah. it's quite well, obvious well do you think that Rosalie even actually has the same interpretation as Carmela I don't think she does interesting I think she's just kind of like rolling her eyes at like oh like those mob guys they've always got gumars like I think she was Possible. kind of like like her expression that's how it, it always has well actually it hasn't always read like that to me mm-hmm. but on this viewing that's what I was kind of seeing and then Carmela was interpreting her interpretation. Completely possible. As she was thinking that. Well, especially because when they were in Paris, we get... We Carm- saw we how differently Rosalie they interpret things. ...developed as a character who doesn't really read beneath the surface and, no. is, and is content to kind of take things on a basic level. Exactly. But I just think it's such an interesting idea for the show to explore because so much TV and so much movie is presented on such a basic level of just the narrative and this show is so yeah. focused and obsessed with what lies beneath that level mm-hmm. and so it's interesting to see it's so meta but then to have this movie where it is so basic but then there <laughs> so are these levels. levels underneath even it's a basic d- like I said it's an amazing movie 
It's right. the deepest movie <laughs> you've ever seen. It kind of seems it. Because, yeah, it's just like, it's even more levels than The Soprano. Right. Yeah, there's... Because it's like one of the levels <laughs> of The Sopranos. <laughs> even actually, um, when Silvio is in New York at the yes. restaurant, we have him, yes. you know, saying kind of like, he's being told his heart goes out. And then Silvio saying, just say it then, Walt fucking Whitman over the, over here, right? Yeah. So like, again, like these these metaphors and these ideas of reading beneath the surface saying something but meaning something else is really being explored in yeah. this episode yeah absolutely and there's i mean actually yeah, there's so many just after that the scene carmine's dream right and we've yeah. been exploring dreams throughout the entire series but there's actually so much going on there like what is in the box this kind of surreal environment um but also this idea that carmine acknowledging of his wife making him cry yeah which was interesting to me because that also kind of tied me to Phil Leotardo and Johnny Sack, yes. who are also characters who cry. Yes. And we explicitly kind of yes. deal with that in this episode. Um, Johnny Sack, when he cries, being seen as a sign of weakness. Phil Leotardo crying when Tony is manipulating him, mm-hmm. at least according to our interpretation mm-hmm. or a possible interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we actually have, interestingly, little Carmine crying and acknowledging it and actually admitting to it. And taking it almost as a sign of strength. Yeah. So there yeah. is this this dream that he has. And like has. a positive character trait. Yeah. And yeah. there's this dream he has where it's almost like his Costa Mesa. It's almost like this void, like this beyond. Did we know about his dream before? Or we just know this part that he was like. Carmine? Yeah. I don't think we know what his yeah, dream I don't. Yeah. I didn't think so either. Just like even the way he says that. He's like, it's like in my dream. It's like right. like he was saying <laughs> well, it like other people had heard about it before. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I want to talk about him. But. but there is this, yeah, this this aspect of him being confronted by something supernatural like Phil Leotardo was, like Tony was, and actually taking a different course. Yeah. About, I mean, it's maybe about happiness. Maybe it will change. Yeah. But there is this leadership vacuum and Carmine is choosing to step away, which is different than how any characters have really ever dealt with these issues in the past of course well interestingly like phil leotardo kind of was dealing with it that Mm -hmm. way he was like you know stepping back um trying to focus on his family um you know talking about how he never really wanted that he won't get in the way uh he should have made different choices but then during his like you know uh revelations in he should have made different choices he changes his mind I think right. it's not said. It's not well, said. It's not yeah. said outright. But but he was also kind of like like we actually get insight into what it means to these guys to be boss and how that right. impacts their lives. Making right. that choice, right? We don't really like. We don't really have that level of empathy for Tony necessarily because we've kind of like started off with him always being boss, basically. But when you see these characters who are kind of confronted with the possibility mm. of making that choice, it's really interesting to see how they choose it. I mean, the first we don't season, really see we don't really see Tony choose it. He chooses it in his own way. Yeah, but not like this. Not being like, "Hey, do you want to be boss?" And they're like, "Nah." Right. You know, and it really it shows you kind of again like what that would look like to them. like like that they acknowledge how much this would impact their lives right and maybe that's not the way they want their lives to be impacted interesting like maybe they don't want that right and then ultimately with phil leotardo he actually makes a decision yeah. that is impacted by johnny sack dying who it seems was kind of holding him back mm-hmm. on avenging his brother but it's interesting because i mean kind of there's more like there's more than that even that but... last scene that ties into cleaver for me there is this kind of like overly dramatic this mm-hmm. invitation to violence, also the christening, kind of this nod to oh, the Godfather and that, that music, scene. that music coming in, like, yeah. Whoo. But there's definitely for me, like I can't not separate that scene from the baptism scene and the Godfather. No, I know. And the, the and for me, just like that illusion and this strong reference to mafia movies and mafia film. Oh yeah, is like there's this specter of violence hanging over that last scene, which is interesting because it applies to both Phil Leotardo and it also applies to. Christopher and Tony having this awkward embrace, does that does that suggest violence in that future? Right. Which is an interesting thought. Yeah. Well it certainly it, it certainly seems so. Right. But we also don't We don't you know. know. We've we don't never know. seen this. You know show what? Before. I would actually kind of want maybe like in twenty years mm-hmm. like to do when this we watch show, the show one the day, time. yes. <laughs> and give spoilers. Okay. Because we'll you know what? <laughs> it, sometimes it holds me back. Okay. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. 
Like sometimes I wish I could talk about how things connect forward. Right. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> we we made that choice. Right. It's true. We don't want to ruin it for you. For um, the like one person who's listening to this podcast yeah. for the while watching the show I mean, for someone, the first time. Someone did tell us that it, they were watching yeah. it for the first time. Yeah, yeah, actually maybe even more than one. Yeah. That's nice. So that's very so, lovely. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, actually, that last scene is interesting because it does tie into, for me, film and also maybe mm-hmm. this like more basic aspect of mafia movies mm-hmm. and kind of archetypes of mafia characters and that there will be more violence. And it almost plays into this base interpretation of those films mm-hmm. where or this base kind of... Um, experience of watching these films where it is very kind of sensationalistic and immediate and there aren't as many levels because it seems like it's gearing up for the end of the series to be more violent to be more explosive to be Mm -hmm. more dramatic the music is more dramatic it's we'll I mean we'll see because mm-hmm. we can't give any spoilers. <laughs> Will we go to the mattresses this season? <laughs> but then there's also this know. idea of Leotardo thinking that's my fucking legacy that I didn't challenge yes. Tony over Tony Blundetto. Yes, and he if, he brings it back to when his family came to the United States, and like he's like his family's always been taking shit from people. Right, and there's this right? idea of control, which is yeah. something that Huge Johnny mess. Sack is also dealing with in his last days, taking mm-hmm. the cigarettes, and that's something we can talk about separately. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really interesting. I think they leave it in a really interesting place, and it's kind of a perfect summary of the themes that have been happening in this episode. It's pretty yeah incredibly done. No, it's it's. I mean, it's so cinematic, and I and we we realized after we we were talking about last episode, we often forget to talk about our references to the Godfather movies. Oh right, we yeah. Are, like we In often Sopranos like, home movies. I forgot to make my reference to Godfather two. I know, but it's just like afraid of like, dying that I've been wanting to make for a really long time, but that's fine. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> he missed his chance. Um, but no, but like the references are so strong and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's also that kind of like you were saying this meta level of like kind of gearing us up like I don't know not tricking us but like making us remember how it feels to watch that kind of movie and like to see where your expectations go right and then this show usually goes against people's expectations too but it's interesting to like experience that as a viewer to like monitor what they can elicit from you like what they can kind of like gear you up for like you feel like an adrenaline rush right like you kind of like when in that last scene when that music comes on you're like oh shit like what is going to happen right now it actually kind of the last time in this show that I can remember having an experience like that is almost like the end of season one where they're building up tension towards the end of the season yes so it's something that they've kind of gotten away from it is so intense yeah um but I yeah I mean this like it's it's stupid how good this show is. It's just <laughs> That's so why we can't dumb. Do two a week anymore. It's, it's too so, much. It's just so there's, stupid. There's... Like we get characters in this episode, for example, Warren Feldman. Mm, Warren Feldman. I feel like we're jumping all over the place, but I, I just like I'm excited. We have a line. We have, a line. We have our segues. We, we, we got our segues. <laughs> yeah. Um, Warren Feldman. Like we never see. Sorry, spoiler. We never see this character again. Spoiler. Right? We said no spoilers. I know, but like... It's okay. It's okay. That's, that's an okay this, spoiler. That's an okay spoiler. This episode is... It can it stands on its own very <laughs> much too. Um, but like the characters that we all of a sudden get an insight into in this episode that we hadn't before or mm-hmm. we meet them for the first time and get this insight into them is a lot. It's really, really deep. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you feel like the purpose of having a Warren Feldman is oh. in this episode? I think it really, I think like it, it does tie into kind of the interpretation thing, right? Because of like the doctor interpret, like his, mm. you know, the, like right. Johnny Sachs doctor's interpretation of his case versus this Warren Feldman, Dr. Feldman, Warren Feldman's interpretation of the case. Um but then, like, what gets them there is really interesting, right? So then, like, the information that we find out about Warren's history, um, uh, you know, kind of how he ends up treating, like, the kind of person he is. It's it's such a deep 
character exploration like we find out a lot about him that kind mm-hmm. of goes beyond that like you like his you like you ask like what's the purpose of having that character like I think there is a purpose for that interpretation bit but right. we also delve a lot deeper into just like the psyche of different kinds of people um and I think again kind of like we had with Livia kind of like we had with um oh who's the guy who was talking about Schrodinger's cat we were talking about oh the Schrodinger's cat guy <laughs> well, we, 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 we should know his name. his name. He's a famous actor. But um, kind of like right that now. scene. Like this is kind of, again, presenting us with one of these alternatives. Schwinn. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Schwinn. Um, it's presenting us with this like very strong alternative viewpoint to the viewpoints that we get really used to seeing in this show. Right. And... And for me, actually, there's something sensationalistic about Warren Feldman. Like when he's talking about this um, Torchiano story to Johnny Sack, who actually knew this guy. There's something about like he is, he has this draw to the mob. It's almost similar to like... He's like, like, I know who you are. He does have, he totally has a draw towards that. Right, he knows who he is. Yeah. It's almost similar to Kupferberg watching Mm -hmm. the Matthew Wiener as a mob specialist on (laughs) TV earlier. Um, They're kind of living vicariously through these people there's this there's this interest and they're kind of drawn to it probably for the same reasons that were examined in the cleaver movie like there is this kind of power this power and also this kind of sensationalism that exists that's immediately appealing to these people Mm -hmm. so i i actually kind of question why i guess i'm warren feldman's intentions i guess are rather clear but i guess it's rather obvious what part of his intentions are it's just to kind of be close to that world whereas obviously it's not like we've had a deeper examination of that world throughout this series it's nothing Uh, to really be that compelling the examination of the mob world in the sopranos isn't sensationalistic it's not exciting it's really actually quite bleak it's quite depressing if anything the philosophy is quite nihilistic yeah and yet these people are still drawn to these characters yeah no it's really like i i you know i I had a note that i wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. that and I, i can't I can't find it though. Maybe I'll, I'll All get right. to that's it. That's what happens when we're we um, so we're, we just watch the show and then come talk. So that's uh, that's what happens with this with this format. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. But no. But anyways, you're Sorry. you're correct. We'll get you're there. correct. It'll it'll You'll come it'll come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I do think that it's it's an interesting character, and I think yeah. that interpretation, that medical interpretation, is interesting in how it plays into interpretations. Yeah. Well, he well. also like you know like that thing that he talks about like who looks like a hero right it, like it it um like what he's talking about mm-hmm. like why doctors would give right um that shorter prognosis and then if someone lives longer they look like a hero yeah um i think that's pretty deep to the show too because it really does like examine everyone's motivations right like we're we've talked a lot about you know how people really want to examine the motivations of these mob guys right like we're like oh like why do they want to kill? But this show teaches us to look at like Carmela and her motivation right. and to look at father Phil and his motivations, right. right? Like this was what this show really does is like almost like trains us to, you know, shrink people mm. in some ways too. Right. Like it really calls on you to do that. Right. Um, and so I think like Warren Feldman for me is one of those interesting characters like that, where we really like, are forced to think about him and how he became who he is and what his role is now in this moment in Johnny Sack's life. Right. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a, it's a lot of work to watch this show. You're filling right. in a lot of blanks. Right. Um, all the time. Yeah. And like, it's interesting, like probably if you, and again, like we run into this all the time, like even I was just talking about like Rosalie's, mm-hmm. you know, expression, like, we, there's probably a lot of things that you and I interpret differently, even though we talk about our interpretations right. a lot. Um, and we sometimes like bring those up. Right. But, um, you know, because you are, you're filling in a lot of blanks. Right. For yourself. Absolutely. And yeah. definitely the interpretations out there across the board are different on this show. And definitely. I think that's kind of the point. That's the point. Too. Again. I think more. It doesn't make more a and difference. More what kind of becomes apparent by the end of the show is like, that's not the point. Mm-mm. of all of this the point is not to kind of pigeonhole things as this or that black or white this means this even though we do that a lot yeah. it's part of a kind of greater purpose of that aspect of interpretation which yeah. is being examined in this episode yeah. specifically and everybody's opinions are 
equally valid and everything has the potential to be interesting. And even if David Chase had intentions in making something, it almost doesn't matter because the ability for it to bring out different interpretations is for me almost more powerful. Like that's what the art is. Right. Um, and I think that's what this show is. And again, that's like what Cleaver is. That's what Cleaver <laughs> the is. The best movie ever. <laughs> that's, I mean, Chris is really amazing yeah. as a filmmaker. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to He's like come Tarkovsky. back to that. <laughs> he is. He, he really, he really is. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. How about? What else do we want to talk about? I want to talk about this um, to read through my notes. John, Johnny Sack kind of confronting death. Right. And this and, idea and of this there is no thing. stage five, yeah. having him in stage four cancer. And that's clearly, it's the title of the episode. We always like to pay attention to those things. One should always pay attention to the titles I of the mean, episode. Like, but that is, I don't that, know why this we're telling space you this, that but... is nothing. Right. Stage five doesn't exist. And right. then the episode is actually titled stage five. So we're actually occupying the space that doesn't, doesn't exist. exist which is what the show is doing all the time. It's this big nothing. And it's yeah. it's posing these questions of what does matter. When one reflects on their life, what is one's legacy? What yeah. matters? What does one value? And characters are also dealing with this at different points in their life. But right. obviously one is confronted with it. Right before right, death. Right before death. It is really interesting because for Johnny Sack, it seems like this idea of Johnny wanted to die as he lived in total control is very important. And him smoking the cigarettes um, is actually really fascinating because, going back to symbols, cigarettes are something that we've been talking about going Mm -hmm. all the way back to season one. Cigarettes versus cigars. Often cigars being smoked at times where people do feel in control or possibly wanting to project a feeling of being in control. And And we used to see Johnny Sack smoke cigars. Right. And we do see... And cigarettes are often... Um, being smoked at times of characters being out of control. So in this moment, it's interesting that Johnny chooses cigarettes as his method of being in control. We also see cigarettes being used at different times, even in this episode, like JT goes to cigarettes when Christopher comes over. There is this question of control, like characters. It's almost like a tell for them being Mm -hmm. in or out of control, but like characters wanting to do something where they can control their life. Yeah. And... I think that's like a, a pretty strong symbol and it's it's very relevant to Johnny Sack's last days and what he can do. What are these kind of like limited means that he has to feel to powerful feel or control, to feel in sure. control? Because in the end of his life, after all of his decisions, he really is left with almost nothing. Except he does have a family and we can kind of see how Who love him. his true love for his family and his true caring for them does actually mean something because they are there for them even when everything else has been taken away. Yeah. And I think that that is valuable and that is something that the show presents that is worth thinking about. Oh, yeah. As one of the only valid things in life that is actually worth valuing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, not to get like too dark, but like I, I mean, this a de- this depiction of someone dying yeah. is, I mean, I've, I've never like been with someone in their last moments as they die. Right. But that's where this episode takes us, right? right? They, like, take us into this guy who, yeah, like, has made tons of different choices in his life. And we, you know, we started late, you know, like, in, well, late late season five and season six to understand his love for his family and what kind of choices he makes uh, because of that. Right. Um, but, you know, we really see it here. Um his impact on people and his impact on his family. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And anyways, it's just a really like powerful portrayal of death and these types of questions people Absolutely. Ask, and that question ask. of of love and respect is actually, I think, something that passes on to Tony. It's something that he's worrying about because he's mm-hmm. remembering his relationship with, with Dickie, Dickie. Yeah. when he's with Melfi and he talks about wanting to pass on this respect and love and feeling like that has But he couldn't happened. do that to Chris, with Chris. Right. So where did he fail there? Yeah. Like what did Tony not do? What did Tony or not Or what have? about him is not capable of doing that? Right. Right? Like what's inside him that makes him not able to love and, you know, bolster this person like Dickie did for him. Right. And I think that's a really interesting question. I think it's very relevant to who Tony Soprano is because Johnny Sack seems to have something there that maybe Tony doesn't. In fact, Tony's relationship 
even with his family is is very complicated like what is the love and respect that tony commands from carmela meadow and aj independently yeah it's a very complicated relationship does he love them he does but how kind of unconditional how deep is that love how much what does it really mean like how much does he care about himself before them i don't know like you know if it's like fair i mean they're fictional characters i don't have to be unfair to them but like i don't know if it's fair to tony to say like that like the way that he loves his family is like better or worse like different people love people differently right too right and so like i don't know like i i think like and we saw it when tony was in the hospital last season like we saw meadow and carmela there with him we like we know how great the impact on them would be if flush when tony dies right um and aj too kind of i mean we know that that would impact him he wouldn't be there by the bedside but like tony's death would greatly impact aj right you know and aj's life so um i don't know that it's like love that's different but i think it is kind of this like the nature of the relationship and and what that actually like how functional it actually is or right um i don't know authentic or real yeah i don't know something i can't quite put my finger on what it is but there's like a a deeper thing than just like does tony love his family no i of course and i think that's too simplistic and clearly he does yeah right but there are like different kinds of love and there are different priorities in life and actually i don't think that tony has the same priority for family as johnny sack does no i i would agree with you and did johnny sack have gumars they say that he didn't right (laughs) I think. Yeah. And we never see that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's it's very interesting. Um, We have... Yeah. So, I mean, for me, there's also... Yeah. One other thing before... Mm -hmm. I do want to talk more about these, like, levels of interpretation. But there is one other thing, which is just, like, Johnny Sack being told um, by the person escorting him that it was the right move. Right. And to quit smoking that that was the right move and the question is was that the right move for him and that in comparison to him bumming a smoke shortly after while he's on oxygen well it is that kind and we have that brought up a lot in this episode like what's the point right if it's all gonna end this way anyways then what's the point which is valid yeah and what is right for johnny sack at that point i mean was it right for him to quit that i mean the person escorting him could state that and I guess from a kind and Ginny's of... clearly mad about it because you know she, right. he couldn't even she lost twenty seven pounds right and he couldn't even quit smoking. But it's so interesting that in the end it's this idea of Feldman saying it's when people are confronted with death there's this kind of scramble to maintain control yeah and it's interesting actually like going back and viewing the show after finishing it because like that aspect of control is being examined even from the yeah. very beginning yeah. and you can kind of get this these these things that are discussed outright yeah. in the end of the series uh, even with characters who aren't near to death it's this constant grasp for control right? absolutely yeah. or characters or i guess maybe you could say like characters who know they're at any moment gonna die right which i think and that's what i think we grapple with in this episode with like you know the examination of the different possible new york bosses right right like that's something they're aware of too right absolutely right that like they're gonna live a life where it's very likely that they're gonna die at any moment right totally yeah or that's always a possibility you always have to be watching your back you always have to be mm -hmm. um you know thinking about these political moves and stuff like that yeah and how you're perceived and the power that you command and what does it mean to strive for that as your primary goal? Well, yeah. Or to hold on to that? I don't know. I think this episode, like, it really gives me insight into, and again, like I was saying before, like, we don't often think about Tony before he was a boss. We get only a little bit of insight into that. But, like, again, this choice that people make to become boss, you really get an insight into what that. I think what we do. Actually, that's people. one thing I don't know. I, I yeah. feel like there's a lot of time before he comes boss, much more so than almost any other mob recreation, yeah, because you're typically right. the boss is the boss. We actually have all this time, I mean, all of season one and then season two, we have Tony kind of acting in the shadows, but I actually. Know. I just never, like, what I'm talking about things. is, like, that choice. Like, we never see him really, like, 
choosing it necessarily. Right. And I, and, and I think that's the thing he, that, that indicates how he's different from these other guys. Right. It's and, very Machiavellian. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely manipulating. He's definitely kind of pulling strings and he kind of ends up in that position of power yes. as a result. But that's kind of his strategy. Exactly. But he is exactly. less violent than Phil Leotardo. Yes. He wouldn't choose to do that in the same way. Yes. He wouldn't choose to kind of get... No, we to, see like like Tony's leadership style right basically right like we see how he gets the things he wants to get right it's not the way the other guys do right it's interesting you know like he is more manipulative and yeah right like that's his style right yeah i don't know i think it's it's really it's it's incredibly done right yeah no what we learn about characters in this episode yeah yeah absolutely and um interestingly actually there was a, a scene uh, in relation to that, where he's talking to Phil Leotardo and he says, we're lucky fucks. I tell myself mm-hmm. every day. And Phil Leotardo just shrugs, which is interesting because that manipulation kind of worked for Phil Leotardo when he was yeah. in the hospital bed. But it seems to me that it's kind Worn of off a little bit. Yeah. At this point, that Phil Leotardo just doesn't care. Like he's also had the same relationship to his close to death experience of where it's kind of faded. Yep. He's returned to the kind yep. of quotidian. Yep. He's returned to everyday life. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and the connection between I guess like I would say like the three characters like Phil, Tony, and Johnny Sack, mm-hmm. right? Because we we do see them like they are kind of of the same generation. Um, I mean, who knows how old Philly Ricardo <laughs> is? It's it's always a question. But Philly would have been forty seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's I, like, older. I I guess so. I guess Phil's older. Yeah. Anyway, but like they're talking about like the three of them who have all had these run-ins like near-death experiences right like phil well i guess like actually polly says it too polly's like i like like cancer like my i fought my cancer like and and john wasn't able to or whatever like he says that thing when right. they're giving the toast a very tough thing it. to say <laughs> but like we see these characters who have like come face to face with death and then come back right right like or like you know had this opportunity to do something different Johnny Sachs, the first one of that kind of group of characters that we see actually die. Right. And he doesn't have this chance to like learn from this near death. Interesting. Experience that he's having. Yeah. Right. Like he's just dead. Right. And, and we see like, you know, we see what happened to him when he was told that maybe he had longer to live. Right. Right. Like he kind of started making slightly different choices. Right. Right. But then once it was clear that that was actually like, you know, too optimistic or... Right. Um, then he went right back to smoking and then and, right. and dying, right? He didn't have a chance to kind of enact what, you know, what Tony and Phil, like, right. both have had chances to do, right? Like, Phil could have stayed in Florida. Phil, right. Like, Phil was putting off being boss up till now. Right. You know, he wasn't looking to take control because of, you know, his heart and his family. Well, and interestingly, too, with Johnny Sack, like maybe his choices actually do impact his amount of life left. Like when Feldman gives right. him this prognosis, like maybe the fact that he did choose to revert to smoking right. actually impacted totally. when he died. Like totally. maybe he actually could have lived for longer. Right. But yeah. there is a reaction to know. his actions. You don't know. Yeah. Um, I was interested, too, for Tony as a character who we're talking about as somebody who manipulates this kind mm-hmm. of Machiavellian, um, this Machiavellian person, how JT kind of trying to manipulate him falls flat mm-hmm. when Christopher tells him that he needs to let Tony know that he was the writer. There is something that just doesn't work. Like, we're told earlier in the episode, Syl says, oh, Christopher doesn't come to the Bing anymore. And it's yeah. these small things that make it very apparent that something is wrong. Uh, with JT telling Tony that he's just dropping by to look for Chris and then starts talking about Cleaver. Yes. Um, there is kind of something there. Also, Tony immediately recognizing that there's a bump on his head. These things that Tony is also very adept at recognizing the bullshit yes. in others. Yes. That kind of plays into his well, leadership style. Even, like, interestingly, like, even Agent when Agent Harris comes at the beginning of the episode, right? Right. And he kind of, like mistakenly reveals that information about Christopher, like them right. having also talked to Christopher. Right. Like nothing's not on purpose right, of for, these, for these kind of manipulative characters. Right. Totally. So like they don't like every word they choose yeah. is perhaps he didn't tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, they know. I mean, they know of the dynamics between Tony yeah. and Christopher and what's going on yeah. there. Um, it is interesting. And I think there's that aspect, too, of Tony saying to Melfi, I've been coming here for years now. I know too much about the subconscious now. Like, yeah. deep down, he can kind of recognize these things in others. And... Even if he can't recognize it in himself, yeah. he can recognize it in the people around him. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, he does. He has a good bullshit detector. Yep. And I mean, we and and he also ha- is strongly in tune with his subconscious, right? Like we know he's made decisions, like way back to killing Pussy, based on um, his dream. Right. Right. Like he puts a lot of. Very, he's very intuitive. Yeah. No, definitely. And I think you have to be intuitive to be a good manipulator. To be a good mob boss. <laughs> well, I don't know about to be a good... I don't know to be a good mob boss. Right. I don't know, but... I don't know any mob bosses. Me for neither. Real. <laughs> um, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did. What do your parents do again? They're not mob bosses. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's like... Ah, it's just it's just too good. It's just too good. I can't even. I'm I'm looking through my notes and I'm just thinking about what I want to talk about. Um, there's so much there. Also, like you know, like for example, like Christopher going to that meeting uh, with I guess someone from AA or NA, right? Who's that actor? Christopher McDonald. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tappy Timmons. Tappy Timmons. Tappy Timmons. <laughs> Um, I'm not old enough to recognize him from all the stuff he was in in the 80s. Yeah. 70s, I guess. I don't know. 80s, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I think of him as Tappy Timmons. Yeah. No, (laughs) I I got that. Um, But like, is Christopher clean? Great question. There is actually... He's drinking. Yeah. Right. Um, He's not doing great, it seems. He seems out of control. That aspect of control seems to be popping up for him. Yes. Well, we know that three months ago something happened. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, we get this again. So maybe this... I mean, maybe three months has passed before this episode. Because we have Chris calling Tony for his birthday. I mean, Cleaver is In the last episode. That takes time. Yeah. So there, there is a jump in this episode. Yeah. Apparently production is boring. So production that takes time. Production is boring. Time. But yeah, we, we were they're, kind they're of like... We had, we had, it's been a while since we had seen where Cleaver was at, too. Like, we hadn't checked in with them since that episode with Ben Kingsley, basically. <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Things have really come. Things have, really, things have, have really come really a long completed. way. Um, but yeah, is he clean? Like, what's happening with them? This baby's been born. Right. Right? He's put out this movie. He's not going to the Bing anymore. Right. Um, Tony's reading into his psyche pretty well, too. Mm. Like, Tony knows that something... I mean... He knows that something's up with Christopher. Right. He he had to be kind of coached into his interpretation of the film to like, you know, uh, see Christopher in this way. But it does, I mean, it does kind of go back to what I was saying, like him relying on dreams and him kind of rel- being intuitive, relying on his instincts. Like he's picking up on these, um, he's picking up on these things because the idea has kind of been put into his head, right? So right. he starts to see he starts to see things the way that he's like been trained to see them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Those are most of my yeah. thoughts okay. on this episode. So I'm interested if you have any other ones. Uh, I'm going to look through my stuff. Um, I can yeah. talk about how we've, as Val <laughs> looks through her notes, yeah, we're sure. very excitingly um, speaking through two microphones right now for the first time. Great timing. Maybe it'll sound like crap. We didn't really do a good test. Maybe it'll sound like crap. I built a microphone, so now we have two. I'm uh, not really a recording person. I'm more just play music. So this is um, this is a new experiment, but it's great timing as we almost complete the show. So that's very exciting mm-hmm. for us. And mm-hmm. maybe it sounds better. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see when we listen to it. We'll see. Um, Val has now walked through her notes. Uh, Yeah, well, (laughs) hopefully. No, I took a lot of notes this episode, actually. Um, I think I covered everything that I... I mean, there was a lot. I did not cover everything that I wrote down, but I'm just trying to see if there's anything else that really... um, that really showed up. Oh, the other thing, just because we were just talking about Christopher, um, the other thing that I wrote down was that he, when he's in that meeting... Um, he's talking about how he's trying to steer clear of old associates on purpose, right? Mm. In order to stay clean. Interesting. And so like does really, that relate to not going to the bing? Well, I think so, right? And the, and we really see it. I mean, we've seen it before, but we like really understand like those guys don't give a fuck about Chris's sobriety. 
Right. Right. None of them do. We, Tony, like we've seen Tony pretend to, and then do things like pressure Chris into drinking totally. or whatever. Right. Like um, those guys don't give a fuck about him, and no. he's acknowledged that. Yeah. Um, at Interestingly, this, at this point, the only drinks that are ordered at the Bing are a soda water mm. by Tony and a Diet Coke by JT. Mm. So maybe it's fine. Maybe he should go. Yeah, they're not drinking either. <laughs> maybe yeah. it would be fine. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I do like that. Sorry, now I'm just like no, seeing my notes. I do, I do love one of those, one of the scenes with Johnny Sack. Um, I forget which one it is, but when Ginny's talking about saying like miracles do happen, and he says not in this family, mm. right? And she's kind of talking about this like positive, like having a positive outlook, like will make you live longer, right? And it's kind of what we were talking about a little bit before, but I like when he was like, right. so with like six-year-olds dying of leukemia, like is that because of negative thinking? Right. Um, I that think seems that, to put her off her line of positive yeah, thinking. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I mean, that's just like something that I get mad at in real life is kind of like the triteness that people sometimes right. use, like talking around these things. Right. Um, you're like more of a you, Johnny than a Ginny Sack, you're saying? I'm definitely yeah. more of a Johnny than a Ginny Sack, I would <laughs> that's say. That's um but yeah i think it just like that, that hit on something pretty important for me just in terms of like how we um how we deal with death and how different mm. people like right the coping strategies different people need to use and the stories people need to tell themselves in order to kind of come to terms with it like right. for themselves personally or for a family member or for a you know new york bob boss or whatever or for a new york mob boss yeah <laughs> typical just the standard things the standard to, things to worry about um but yeah i hope this sounds good on our two microphones i hope was so. listening mm-hmm. um i was feeling sad before we started recording this episode because because we're, we're watching really... sopranos and you get depressed because One, we're watching yeah, not sopranos you, I do too. everyone, yeah, gets, everyone depressed. gets depressed <laughs> everyone's depressed are it's you guys depressed yet nothing. let us know yeah. <laughs> um this it's is a, one of those episodes. We're that, almost there. Yeah. We're almost done this. Um, no, I was also getting really sad because we are almost done. We and, are almost done. And I was saying, like, I don't I don't know when the next time we'll watch The Sopranos would be. Um, really sad. I don't know. Um, so, anyways, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Hope you're enjoying it. And write us an we've, email we've heard from some want. of our favorite writers on the sopranos in the last week which makes this very which makes us very happy it's really we're really nerdy about it yeah but great. yeah it's Just really cool it's really cool sopranos. yeah it's really really cool and we really like when you guys get in touch with us yeah um because it's really fun to talk about yeah so Unfortunately, I can't go to Sopranos Con, which I didn't know about <laughs> until our friends told us about it, but I will be Our not. friends. <laughs> our friend. <laughs> I don't know if we're um, friends yet, but... <laughs> yeah, well, we're just two people who are doing this in our apartment, so right. I, you know... I don't know about Sopranos Con for, for either of I would have gone. I, would, I probably would have gone. I'd be down. Well, We're close. I'm I'm good with just emails from people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone really wants to meet us. but That's true. It's not about them meeting us. Yeah. It's about us meeting them. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah. It's true. But if you ever are in New York and you want to have a beer and talk about Sopranos. That's what we like to yeah. do. Have beer so and Sopranos. Two things we like. So, anyways. Thanks for listening. Yep. And we'll be back. We're really getting near the end. Next week. One a week. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Bye.